0: Right. Well, we are going to transition to our, our reading service. If that is an unfamiliar term to you, what that simply means is this. is It's our, our habit, our tradition... Most of the time, as we are going to preach through a book of the Bible to set aside one Sunday and read the whole thing in one sitting. Now, like I said at the beginning of the service, uh, some of the books we've done, like Genesis or the Gospel of Luke or Mark or Acts, we've had to break that up and it takes a long time. But this little short letter of four chapters is only 12 to 14 minutes long if we even take our time. But it's a very precious little book and letter in the New Testament. If you're not familiar, not all the books in the Bible are the same kind of book. Um, This is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a particular church in the city of Philippi um, for some particular reasons, but God is... um, has made sure that this letter, among these other letters of Paul, have been kept and handed down to us, the church, as part of the scriptures. God, we believe, inspired Paul to write this letter. Um, But I want us to back up just for a few minutes before you hear it read to you. Um, What's important to know? uh, What is sort of the events that led to this letter being written? Well, it starts, if you're in the book of Acts, in chapter 16, Paul was with Timothy, who was a younger man that he had uh, led to the Lord and uh, been trained in the Lord and was become, had become a ministry partner to Paul. And Paul and Timothy were on a missionary journey. It was Paul's second, and they were traveling all through this, age, uh, this area that, of Asia Minor that Paul had been through before, visiting churches that they had planted to strengthen them uh, and encourage them to keep growing in the Lord. And as they were doing that, one night, God blasts Paul with this vision as he's sleeping. In his dream, there's a man from Macedonia, which is now what we call Eastern Europe, across the Aegean Sea. And this Macedonian man in Paul's sleep is saying, come over to us and help us. So Paul doesn't get up and say, well, I must have eaten something funny. He says, Timothy, let's go. And they change their plans, and they set sail, and they go across the Aegean Sea. And the first city that they stop to begin to minister is Philippi, which was a Roman colony. It was an important city. And on the first Sabbath that they're there, they get up and they go to a place that they assume if there are God-fearers here in Philippi, anyone who, who worships the same God, Yahweh, this is where they'll meet on the Sabbath to pray, and they find this group of women praying. And so they join them, and Paul is given the opportunity to preach, and he proclaims Christ, and the book of Acts says that the Spirit opened the heart of Lydia, and assuming, assuming others who were with her, to understand and believe and receive this now full teaching of what God had done through Christ in his death and resurrection. And the seeds of the first church in, in Eastern Europe were planted. This is the beginning of, of the first church here on this side of the sea, <clears throat> And Timothy, who was with Paul, would have come to play a pretty significant role with this church. And there was a bond built between Timothy and the Philippians, as we're going to um, hear in this letter. But Paul's time in Philippi was rough. He started preaching, and it didn't take very long for a riot to happen, which wasn't the first time in Paul's life that that happened. But a riot happens, and he finally ends up getting thrown into prison. And the Lord miraculously delivers him out and saves the jailer along the way, which is pretty cool. And he presumably becomes part of this Philippian church. Um, And then Paul's run out of town. He's asked by the authorities to leave. And so he does. He does leaving behind these, these, these sprouts of a new church. Um, he moves on to Thessalonica, another city, and he ministers for a number of weeks, again, with lots of persecution and difficulty. But already, while he's in Thessalonica, the Philippian church it sends him financial assistance on more than one occasion. They clearly decided they want to partner with Paul in what he's doing. They wanted to see more things happen like what had happened among them. Eventually in Thessalonica he has to flee so then he goes to Berea and then Athens and he finally gets to Corinth where he spends about a year and a half ministering so he has an extended stay and again we find from the scriptures that more than one occasion that Philippi had sent um, financial assistance to him there while he was in Corinth so they clearly saw themselves as partners in the gospel. Well, eventually, Paul got back to Antioch, where he'd been set out from, and some time passes, and he decides uh, on a third journey. But this journey was a bit different. He wanted to go back across to the other side of the Aegean, to all these Gentile churches that had been planted, and take up a collection from them of, uh, for a mercy ministry, a relief fund to bring back to Christians in Jerusalem who were suffering because of famine and poverty. And he was, he was thinking, it was not merely to just to provide relief, although it was, but he was also thinking theologically and pastorally, wanting to unify God's church, because you see, as he was preaching the gospel to these Gentiles um, further and further out, and Gentiles were coming and receiving Christ, and um, many Jewish Christians had a problem with the fact that they wouldn't be circumcised, and they wouldn't also observe some of the other Jewish ceremonial laws, and, and, and they were just trust- placing their trust in Christ, and many Jewish Christians weren't okay with that, and a few were downright hostile about it, and a movement began to rise up, an opposition movement to Paul and his ministry that is referred to in the New Testament as the Judaizers, and they wanted to make sure that, that they went along to Paul's converts and tried to convince them that it's not Jesus plus nothing to be accepted by God, but Jesus plus these other adherences, And so Paul knows this, and he knows that he's come to be thought of by many Jewish Christians as having abandoned his Jewish heritage. And so part of this plan is um, to bring unity, to go and bring a love offering from these Gentile churches back to the church of Jerusalem to say, we're all one in Christ, and we care for you, and we recognize that we are only in Christ because you faithfully sent Paul in the first place. And so that's, that's his third journey. And uh, when he gets to Philippi, he decides, I'm not going to ask them for any money because they've already supported me so much, and the, the church was poor, and so he, he decides not to, to ask them for money. But when they hear of the, the collection, they give above and beyond so generously to be part of it, so much so that later Paul commends the church of, Cor- uh, of Philippi to the Corinthians to encourage the Corinthians to a greater generosity. All right, so where are we in this story here? I've lost my place. This is an exciting story leading up to the letter. <clears throat> um, okay, so finally, he, he reaches, Paul gets back to Jerusalem, and he gives the collection, and Jewish opponents rise up, you know, stir up problems for him again. He gets arrested, and he ends up for two years in prison in Caesarea, waiting to find out what's going to happen. Well, during this time, the Philippians wanted to help him again, but they, they just couldn't help financially. Um, and then Paul finally appeals to Caesar and he gets shipped off to Rome. And at some point along this time, news had reached back to this, this area where the Philippian church was and these Gentile churches had heard that Paul was being sent to Rome. And they waited until they found that he had gotten there and they raised a monetary gift and they sent it to Paul. But they also sent news along with Paul. They picked a man named Epaphroditus, and they sent him with the money and with news of what was happening in the church at Philippi. And there were great things happening, but there were also some troubling things. Some disunity and disagreements had been arising, in particular between two women that we're going to hear about in this letter. Um, Also, their poverty, it seemed, had had been maybe leading many to to struggle with discontentment and and a sense of, is God really with me? And can God sustain me even through persecution? And, and, and deep want. And so this news is sent with Epaphroditus, right? And Epaphroditus on the way gets so sick that he almost dies. And Philippi hears about that. Now they're doubly worried. They're worried for Paul in prison. They're worried for Epaphroditus. But Epaphroditus, the Lord spares him. He makes it to Rome. He delivers the gift. He delivers the news. And now Paul, oh, I, I left out a detail. And they, when they sent the message to Paul, they had asked, could you send Timothy back to be with us? We could use some help. So here 's Paul faced with all these things, and he sits down to consider, how does he do the following: He needs to keep Timothy with him, he's in prison, he's ministering to him, he's going to send Epaphroditus back. How does he keep them from being really disappointed when Epaphroditus shows up? How does he keep them um, from um, taking this out on Epaphroditus, being dis- disappointed in him? How does he convey his great joy? For the church's ongoing participation in the gospel and at the same time speak to some of these issues, a word of admonishment. How can he deeply thank them for the gift and also encourage them not to keep giving because he knew how difficult it was for them? And finally, how could he report back to them how things were going for him in prison without discouraging them and and, and causing them to fear the persecution that they were facing? How could he encourage them in the midst of all this? And so with all this, under divine inspiration, Paul wrote this letter. And it's a letter of comfort and joy on one hand, and great hope. It's also got some words of rebuke and admonition. It's got doctrine in it, reminder of what's central, who Christ is, an exhortation. And he writes this for their joy in the faith. That's what he says in chapter 1. That's why we're calling the series Joy in the Faith, Words of Hope from a Man in Chains. He wants the Philippian church, and God wants, he's kept this letter for us because he wants us to be a church that experiences joy in the faith, even when we face whatever. So here's how the reading service is going to go, how you're going to hear it read. I asked Kip Doctorman, uh, Delicia Jones, Don Allen, Maddie Parker, about a month and a half, two months ago, would you each commit to memorizing one chapter of Philippians so that you could recite it for us? And here's the reason I didn't ask them to do that. I didn't ask them to do that so they could put on a performance for us all and we could go, wow, that's amazing. They flawlessly recited these chapters from memory. I could never do that. Um, I asked them to do that because there's a power hearing God's word communicated through the lips of someone who has spent two months digesting it and saturating themselves in it. All right, so I want us to listen in that way as they read to you. And the last thing I'm going to say, if it's possible to listen to this letter with two, through two ears, uh, I want you to do this. One ear, I want you to be listening in this letter. What word does God have to speak to you as a disciple of Jesus? Individually. How does he want you to hear this letter? But also, with your other ear, I want to encourage you to listen. What do you think God wants to say to us through the letters of the church at Philippi to Grace La Mirada right here as we're hitting our 50th anniversary and continuing on? What word does the Lord have for us as individuals and as the church? With that, are you ready to hear the book? All right. Kip, come on up.
1: Let me state one other thing that Kenny didn't mention just so that you will know if you're trying to follow along. Four chapters, but we memorized it in three different versions. Okay? So if you're trying to follow along and it doesn't match up, that's why. And you'll know who did what. But Philippians. Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ, to the saints of Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Just as it is right for me to think this of you all because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains as in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness. How greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more, In knowledge and in all discernment that you may approve the things that are excellent that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God but I want you to know brethren that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel so that it has become evident to the whole palace garden, to all the rest, that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ, even from envy and strife, some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I have been appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I will rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. For I know that this will turn out for my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose I cannot tell, for I am hard-pressed between the two, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one accord, with one mind, striving together for the defense of the gospel and not in any way terrified of your adversaries, which is to them proof of perdition, but to you of salvation, and that from God. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict you saw in me, and now here is in me.
2: Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you, I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me.
3: Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things again is no trouble to me, and it is a safeguard for you. Beware of the dogs. Beware of the evil workers. Beware of the false circumcision. For we are the true circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh. If anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more Circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to the righteousness, which is in the law, found blameless. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on in order that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us, therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude. And if in anything you have a different attitude, God will also reveal that to you. Let us, however, keep living by that same standard to which we have attained. Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern that you have in us. For many walk, as I've often told you, and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. (coughs) For our citizenship is in heaven. from which we also eagerly wait for a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of this humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of his power which he has to subject all things to himself.
4: Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord. My beloved, I entreat you, Odia, and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel, together with Clement And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet, it was kind of you to share my trouble, and you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel when I left Macedonia... a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit.
0: Does anyone want to just start preaching the book right now? This morning, this is going to be a great series. Um, Thinking about listening to this letter we just heard with the one ear of, what does God want to say to us as a church? Uh, After the first service, 8 a.m., a woman named Grace Fan, who's a member here, she, she pulled me aside. And I, I could tell she was moved. There were tears, even trembling. And she came out of this reading and, and the sentence she said was, oh, God wants us to love each other. And she was just sort of undone by that one thought of in this letter. That's one of the things God wants for us is for us to love each other. This is beautiful. We need this letter. I'm so looking forward to preaching through it together.